Welcome to episode 92 of McKessie Unchained on DNVR.com. Make sure you check out the bar and studio when everything gets back off restriction and off of red level COVID. I'm sure that's fun for everybody out there in the business world, myself included. I am your host, Matt McChesney, as usual, and episode 92 is going to be short and sweet. We don't have a guest this weekend because of Thanksgiving, uh, and that is what it is. So happy uh, Turkey Day to Eddie and everybody out there, and I hope that uh, 2020 is ending on a positive note instead of how it's been, uh, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, let's put that behind us and talk a little football here for a bit, and then uh, we'll get you out of here and, and back to your Thanksgiving break. So, like I said, this is episode 92. Go check it out at dnvr.com. It has the link for all the podcasts. Check it out at 6-0 Academy on Twitter and Instagram as well. And then at dnvr underscore sports on Twitter and Instagram for dnvr. All right, so let's jump right into this. Um, college football over the weekend was good, not great. Um, there's a lot of games getting canceled because of COVID and and I guess that is what it is. I, I don't I don't know if college football is going to be able to finish the way they want to. Um, they didn't really give themselves a whole lot of, of, uh, of stretch room when, with canceled games and things of that nature. So they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in certain places. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, they have no room for Mountain West, has no room for uh, any wiggle as they decided to start later rather than start on time and the pandemic has gotten worse and I'm shocked that everything's not shut down. You know, I, I find it amazing that everyone expects everything to be normal in the middle of a pandemic, including football season. So um, I'm a, I, I just don't, the college football ranks can continue down this road. If they, how, how, it, how is Oregon supposed to show you they're the fourth best team in the country if they play four games? I mean, this is kind of my point. So I, this year's just kind of a wash for me. I, I hope Colorado ends up well, although USC already has a guy testing positive today. And when you test positive, they cancel games. So I don't have any confidence that USCCU will happen this weekend just because I, I know the way the Pac-12 rolls. I'm just, I'm worried that college football isn't going to finish. But then on the other hand, I don't, I'm so over the pandemic and the shutdowns and the red levels and and then the other side of the the coin the hypocrisy of of half the country thinking it's it's fake and you know they're just going to move on normal and it's it's I'm over it. So if we have to shut down college football and it it can't finish or it doesn't finish the right way, I don't really care anymore. It is what it is. Um there were some good games this weekend. Northwestern beat Wisconsin 17-7. The fight in Pat Fitzgeralds are real. Uh, Coach Hakowitz was my defensive coordinator when I was a senior at CU in 04, and, and he turned a, a really bad defense in 03 into a, a pretty good defense in 04 that helped us get back to the Big 12 title game. Uh, Coach Hank is, is the man, and it's great to see him doing so well at Northwestern. Uh, they recruit a certain kind of kid, and you know they're recruiting Connor Jones out of, out of Palmer Ridge, out of the gym. A uh, big offensive lineman, you know, 6'6 six, six kid, two, 295, 300 pounds, absolute stud, only a junior, great grades. That's the kind of guy that they bring in. Willie Boatman's there out of Kent, Denver. Uh, big Alex O is out of Niwot High School, my alma mater. He's up there. So we got a bunch of Dungeon family in Chicago, uh, and they're recruiting the hell out of Connor Jones right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up bagging him at some point. Uh, USC beats Utah in Utah's first game and SC's third, 33-17. 
Uh, SC looked pretty good doing it. Utah looked like it was their first game. Um, that's a huge competitive advantage for SC, but it is what it is. Um, SCCU this weekend, if. Um, Ohio State holds off Indiana 42-35. Indiana's pretty damn good. Uh, I think that they were a little wowed by Ohio State early, the speed and just the overall athleticism, but then they settled in. It really played well. Um, I, I think Indiana and, and their entire their entire coaching staff, the head coach, Allen, and, and everybody, they've done a great job there building that program and doing it the right way. They were eight and five last year, and now they're, you know, that you could say that uh, they might be a, a playoff team if they finish undefeated the rest of the season. Sneak in there, you never know. Uh, so, uh, Indiana looked pretty good. Ohio State, yeah, fields through three picks. But, again, you're asking the guy to make plays, and he's going to make some mistakes, and the other team's pretty good. They're going to make some plays. Um, it, it, is, it is something you don't want to see, but the win is more important than anything else. Uh, Oregon holds off UCLA 38-35 on ESPN. It was a good game. Uh, the only reason I really bring this one up is because, you know, CU held off UCLA 48-42 at the beginning of the season, and I didn't think UCLA was that good. And then I watched them run, you know, run Cal out of the stadium at the Rose Bowl and go neck and neck with Oregon and, and have a chance to win that game. And, you know, I, I – I really think I really hope that the Pac-12 can play the rest of their games and figure all this out, because I I'd love to see Colorado Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. I think that uh, I think CU could give them a run. Honestly, I, I don't think we're that far behind. I don't think Oregon's as good as they have been. You know, replacing Herbert and a bunch of seniors, but at the same time, you know, it, it's CU is better than they have been. So I think both of them could come and, and mesh pretty nice. Uh, so college football was fun over the weekend. There's some huge games this weekend. Um, as the season kind of winds down, you know, Nebraska plays Iowa, go Hawkeyes. Um, CU has USC, and that, that's really where I want to take this right now. Um, I, look, CU is 0-14 against SC, and they've had some really, really close nail biters in the last couple of years. Uh, I lost to them twice when I was at CU. We lost to them when I was a true freshman in 2000 in the Coliseum 17-14. And then we lost to him again when I was a red shirt, uh, a red shirt, what, junior, medical, uh, because of a broken leg. So, you know, it, 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 when I was a junior in 03 and they came in and just absolutely annihilated us. Um, I, SC is a, is a daunting foe, uh, but I think CU, if they're going to beat them, this is the year. And I've been saying that the last couple of years, but I really do think this is the year. Uh, they had him beat in 2016 in the Coliseum and just couldn't finish it. Um, they had him beat a couple of times in Folsom a lot, two out of the last four years, and couldn't finish it. So, I, when you go on long losing streaks against a certain team, eventually that's that's going to snap, and it could happen this Saturday if they end up playing. You know, I, I see a lot of people on Twitter talking about, well, why don't we just name SC the the rival? I don't think that that works in the same relation that uh, Coach Matt came in and, and labeled Nebraska just because we had been in the same conference as Nebraska for, you know, 60 years up to that point, 40 years, something like that. We play them every single year. We're just – the USC thing is is new. It's not – it doesn't have a whole lot of history behind it. So you can't just walk in and be like, they're our rival. You've got to beat them a couple of times, and you've got to, you've got to give them a reason to – 
look at Colorado differently than an, a W. So it's, it's not as easy as just walking in and labeling something, although that's what Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all these other goddamn mediums, that's what the world has come to. You know, if I say it, it is. So you can't just label them the, the, the rival. And I feel the same way with Utah, too. You can't just label Utah the rival either. So hopefully Colorado can actually find a damn rival in the Pac-12 at some point. Uh, but at the same time, in order for that to happen, we have to be good. And we're 2-0, and and SC's undefeated. So I'm praying this game happens Saturday, and, and hopefully the Buffs can get a huge W. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're 13-and-a-half-point dogs. Uh, I'll take that all day. Uh, but I, I really think that they could go into the Coliseum and get a W, too. So I guess we'll see what happens there. But, <clears throat> you know, Colorado has got – everything in front of them right now you know hopefully they can make up the game they missed at the end of the year uh but if they're playing in the pac-12 title game who really gives a shit and this this is for all the marbles you win this game and you set yourself up to go to san francisco and play for all the marbles at the end of the season so uh it doesn't get any bigger than this and i really really hope that you know the the defense and and the, the front seven, Lamon and Mustafa and Lang and 99 and Carson and all the other guys can go and show out. If they if the defense shows up and shows out and they create turnovers and hit the quarterback, the Buffs win this football game. If it turns into a, a shootout, I think we can run with them in a shootout, but I, I don't think we win a shootout. I think the defense has to play at their best game in, 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 in this season specifically, but in a long time. I think if they do that, Colorado wins, so we'll see. <clears throat> All right, so college football is what it is. Um, you know, we'll see if, how many games get played as COVID continues to absolutely annihilate the United States of America and the world. Uh, anybody out there dealing with it, I'm really sorry for you and your family. It's absolutely terrible. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. All right, let's get in the National Football League here and wrap up. Uh, what was it, week 11? Whack up, <clears throat> excuse me wrap up week 11 in the national football league. All right. So Thursday night, Seattle beats Arizona 28, 21. Um, it wasn't a great game by any means. I thought both quarterbacks were pressing, trying to make big plays. Uh, the, the defenses were holding onto their ass, trying not to get ran by, uh, you know, the NFC West is so good. I mean, the Rams, I, I, I thought the Rams would beat Tampa and they ended up beating them um, last night on Monday night division and i don't think you can get any more stacked than it is uh so 28 21 seattle beats arizona i think both teams end up getting into the playoffs at some you know, at the end of the year uh probably have three teams in the nfc west with over 10 wins uh pittsburgh beats jacksonville 27 to 3 the only reason i bring that up is because they're 10 and 0 now and they play on turkey night against baltimore Baltimore lost again to Tennessee 30 to 24 in overtime. Um, I had a four team parlay this weekend. I had, I had Tennessee over Baltimore. I had uh, Carolina over Detroit and Carolina ended up shutting Detroit out. I had the Rams last night over the bucks. And then my stupid ass picked Cincinnati over Washington. If I would have hit the parlay, it would have paid out at 10 G's. So yeah, I was pretty sick to my stomach yesterday about that one. Son of a bitch, Cincinnati. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so it, when you look at Tennessee beating Baltimore 30-24 to and then Pittsburgh sitting at 10-0, and this is almost a must win for Baltimore, not only to stay in the race for the North, which might be out of reach at this point, but to just stay in the playoff hunt in the AFC. The AFC playoff picture is nuts. I mean, there there's teams with 
I mean, there's a, a 10 win, 11 win team that might not get into the damn playoffs this year. So in 08, when I was with the Dolphins, we were at, we finished at 11 and five on the year and won the East and an 11 and five New England Patriot team without Tom Brady didn't make the playoffs that year. So that could happen again this year. You never know, even with seven teams. So uh, New Orleans beats Atlanta 24 to nine. Uh, the only reason I bring that up is because a 30 year old quarterback got his first start in hill and he looked good not great but he's got another gear with running the football i know that there were a lot of people out there pining for for uh james winston to get the opportunity look man the minute i saw james winston after they beat tampa on sunday night football in the locker room eating the w again i gave up on him again I mean, I understand it's a little thing, but this kid hasn't learned anything. It's not about eating W's and dancing. And you're the fucking backup, by the way. What are you dancing in front of the camera for? Um, and it did. It really turned me off, and apparently it really turned Sean Payton off, too. And he gave the reins to Taysom Hill, and, and Taysom Hill ran with him and, and played really well. Um, I think that they continue with that, and I think Hill is the quarterback there in the future, to be completely honest with you. This is a massive, massive, massive uh, massively bad look for Jameis Winston. I mean, for him to to have the numbers he had last year and coming under Sean Payton this year, and I understand that everyone's like, there's not enough training camp and games and blah blah blah. He's been there for twenty weeks almost. He if he either knows the system, either do it or he can't. So all this like he didn't have enough time shit. That's all excuse based. Hill's the better player apparently. That's why he got the opportunity. This is a massive, a massive, uh, just massively bad look for Jameis Winston. And to be completely honest with you, this is pretty much telling me that he's back up for the rest of his career for however short that is. Uh, Green Bay ripped my heart out, um, being up 28-14 at halftime and losing 34-31 to the Colts. Absolutely anemic in the second half. And I, I don't really understand why they were carving Indianapolis up in the first half. The Colts showed a lot of heart. The end of this game was absolutely terrible. I mean, it was just sloppy. The, the Colts had nine accepted holding penalties and one in this game. At the end of the game, they were calling holding penalties and illegal movement penalties and all this other crap, just throwing flags left and right, and it kept both teams in the game. Um, the Colts com like com converted a fourth and five, and I was like, okay, game's over. And then all of a sudden, Green Bay's got the ball back, and they're going down the field and tying it up and going to overtime. So it, the refs absolutely had their hand in this one. Um, and and they, they were throwing ticky-tack fouls all over the field this week. It's almost like the refs get a, get around each other week by week. And they're like, this week, we're not going to throw flags. And this week, we are. And when you have to play against the opponent and the refs, it's pretty hard to win. Um, so, Sunday Night Football was excellent. Kansas City went into Vegas and beat the Raiders 35-31. The, this rivalry is real. Kansas City and, and the Raiders hate each other. I mean, all the AFC West teams – the Chargers are what they are. The the big three at the top, they they all despise each other big time. Um, Raiders in Kansas City, look, Carr is a hell of a player. Mahomes is a hell of a player. I think the Raiders are a playoff team if they can find a way to beat the bad teams on their on their schedule moving forward uh, and get to 10 wins. I think they're probably the seventh seed, and they're a scary-ass seventh seed. They can run by you. They can rush the passer. Their defense is leaky, but their offense is explosive. 
Kansas City, on the other hand, is is seasoned and veteran, and they knew they had to win that game, and they did. And you know you, that there's a, a a picture of Carr at the end of the game, sitting there looking out onto the field, knowing what's about to happen as Mahomes drives. Um, and that is what it is. You know, sometimes you've got to really think about who has the ball last in the National Football League. So it, it, very rarely does the defense have an advantage in this game, which is one of the reasons, especially with the Broncos, I'm so adamant on I'd rather score 38 and and, and have a kind of a middle-of-the-road defense these days than have this, like, shutdown defense but not be able to score more than 19 points. I know it worked in 2015, but, again – Manning on the team of course he's going to be careful with the ball and it may work in that regard how many other great defensive teams with shitty quarterbacks have actually won I'll name them 85 Bears and McMahon was not necessarily shitty the Ravens in 01 I think in 01 2000 Ravens with Trent Dilfer Brad Johnson in 02 and he was far from shitty and Peyton Manning in 2015 and he's far from shitty so it's an argument, that's for sure. Usually you need explosive offense to win. Uh, all right, so the National Football League, you know, as we roll forward with Kansas City and Vegas, 35-31, and then the Rams last night go into Tampa and win 27-24. I thought they would win that game too, and they did. Aaron Donald was an absolute man-child. Uh, Tampa Bay is really a, a good football team, but they struggle against the, the good teams in the NFC, and they struggled against good teams all year. So – They've got to figure out how to win games against good against good uh, franchises and football teams in the playoffs, or they're going to be a quick out. Uh, and it looks like they're going to be a wild card team on the road. And probably, if they're the seven seed, they're going to end up in Philly. And Philly is a joke, and the NFC West is a joke. So they should be able to go win that playoff game. You would hope at least. Uh, but then that second rounder, wherever they end up going, is going to be a beast. But it's going to be a hell of a ride, and Tom Brady's doing a great job, and they've gotten Tampa Bay back to an acceptable level when you talk about uh, being being a, a quality franchise. They've got a, a pretty good defense, you know, at their top five, uh, and a great quarterback, and it's given them a chance to win. But they're also ex- extremely explosive on offense. They don't just have a good quarterback and a great D. So they've got all three things, and sort of the Rams. So. Let's get into this. Before I get into the Unchained rant at the end of the show, which you do not want to miss, uh, we're going to talk about your Denver Broncos, okay? So I'm – look, man, I can't sit here and get super excited about the W. I I just can't. The the Saints are on deck. The Bills are on deck. You know, they're playing – the Raiders are on deck. They're not winning those games against playoff teams. And I'm really, I'm really, really getting tired of the – of the narrative in Denver where we can, we can, the Broncos can put absolute shit on tape consistently. And then they have one game where the other team underperforms and all of a sudden drew locks the future and everybody's crazy because they don't support all the time, but we're just supposed to forget the five interceptions and the shit show in Vegas and the absolute disaster the week before. And the, the fact that they're down 24 to three to the chargers and I'm glad they came back, but you don't want to be down 24 to three. I Do I like what I saw Sunday? Yeah, I do. I'm going to do it consistently. I don't, I don't believe them, bro. I don't believe that they're going to run the ball that much. I don't believe they're going to try and take, play, play 
time of possession football. I don't believe that they're going to play smart offensively and limit Drew's throws and set up play action and move the pocket. I don't believe them. I think Pat Schumer is going to go straight back to three wide and try and outgun New Orleans this week rather than get them in the walls of, 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 of Empower Field, run the goddamn ball down their throat, and see if you can win the game in the fourth quarter. He's going to try and win it in the second quarter by outdueling New Orleans and Sean Payton. And Sean Payton knows this. I bet you Sean Payton and the Saints walk in here and run the ball close to 40 times in the game with their quarterback. And they have a running quarterback. I'm just saying, I don't be surprised they run it more than that because they understand they have to control time of possession in order to win the goddamn football game. So I'm, I'm excited that the Broncos did some good things. It's great. But <laughs> – Four and six is not what we're looking for. And if there was any consistency on this football team and they could play like they did on Sunday, they'd probably be six and four or seven and three. And that that's the that's the MO with every team in the NFL. There's a ton of depth with every or a ton of of uh of talent and depth everywhere but New York. The Jets are are awful. The Jaguars seem pretty awful. So those are two bad teams. Other than that, though, anybody can beat you any day. Houston was looked like like they were in the gutter and they're beat they beat the Patriots yesterday. So they're they're doing a better job. They're not going to be an easy out by any means. I'm just I'm looking at this like the Bron- Broncos country is so excited about just be beating the Dolphins. Like everything's solved? No. It's not even close. Yeah, we like the step forward, but let's not try and shine a turd here and then let's not let's not get pissed off at everybody who just doesn't believe. I mean, I swear to God, being a football fan these days is like being involved in fucking politics. If you say one thing nobody likes, it's it's on. Oh, you don't believe, you don't care, blah, blah. The players, the players and how sensitive they are on social media. Guys, stop getting on social media. Just leave it alone during game day. You You don't need to sit there and argue with somebody who doesn't even know how to protect doesn't know what the route combinations are. It's entertainment to them. It's your life. Stop arguing with the fans. Having undying and, and unconditional love for the Broncos is one thing. Everybody wants the Broncos to win. Sitting there and acting like just beating Miami and the Chargers is good enough, that I don't understand it. I don't understand how we've gotten to this level in Denver. Coach Shanahan was gone at When the Broncos were finishing 500, the Pat Bowen was like, uh-uh, not happening. We can't allow this. We can't sink this far. You're gone. You either make the changes or leave. And and that was with a two-time Super Bowl winning coach who who, who turned the franchise into what it is. So I, I just – I feel like our standard has dropped. And I understand everybody's excited about Sunday, and you have every right to be excited. I'm just – I'm looking at it as if I was in the locker room. And, yeah, we won, and it's great. But we don't need to be dancing, and we don't need to be acting like it's – it's something that they've achieved, and they beat a, a rookie quarterback, you know, in at home. Good for you. Can you beat a really good team in New Orleans coming in here? Can you go beat Buffalo? Can you beat the Raiders at the end of the season? You're not out of the playoff hunt. Can you go on a run and show us and, and make people like me eat crow? If not, and we're going to – every game that we win takes us out of contention for an elite player at the quarterback position. And I know that pisses some people off, but finishing six and ten or seven and nine puts us at between like what twelve and fifteen again, eleven and thirteen. 
on the draft board. Lawrence and Fields, anybody with any kind of zip on the ball is gone by that point. So again, we're rolling with Drew Locke next year. And that, look, that's fine. But I would guess that they fire the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach, and he has a whole new revamp, and he probably loses a couple of his offensive weapons. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And, And some of his defensive weapons, because, you know, we developed players for other teams. We don't necessarily develop players to stay in Denver uh, and and help the Broncos move forward uh, like most other teams do. Um, So I'm just, I I like the Dolphin game. It's a good win. No one's saying it's not. I'd be, I'm very eager to know if they had victory Monday or not, because if they did, that's a problem. Victory Mondays for teams who have winning records, not teams who are trying to crawl back into it. Um, I just, I, again, I don't understand how the standard has dropped to the so low that people are so excited about beating the Miami Dolphins at home that they're just blinded by the fact that the Saints are about to walk in and the Broncos are looking at four and seven. I mean, come on, man. Stop with the the Rudy, you know, just beating the fucking fan drum over and over and over again, Rudy. Knock it off. It's starting to become a little bit annoying. And to be completely honest with you, I know that they're all matched just a hater, blah, blah, blah. No, I actually I actually have a different perspective on winning and losing. At the end of the season, your record, if it's five and five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine, who gives a shit if you beat the goddamn dolphins in the middle of the season? Let's be real. So again, all you fanboys out there beating the drum, beat it, beat it, beat the drum. At the end of the season, when we're not where we want to be, that's the issue. And I don't see them getting better this offseason. And that's where we go into the Unchained rant here on McChesney Unchained episode 92. All right, so I don't mean to be too hard on Mr. Elway about this, but it's a long line of bullshit here that that uh, Broncos country has to deal with, and this is the, it comes down to signing and developing your players, and th- that's why it's a rant this weekend. If they don't find a way to re-sign Philip Lindsay, Justin Simmons, and Garrett Bowles at the end of this season, it's going to just go right down the same road that they've gone down in the past where they don't resign and bring back their own players that they've had in house. I'm not talking about superstar talents. I'm talking about keeping guys in house that help you build your team. So you don't have to replace them with rookies or you don't have to watch them go play other places at a high level. If they let Phil leave, I don't think Phil comes back anyway. And I I hate that I'm saying that, but if I'm Phil, I'm looking at like, well, they don't want me here. And unless they start feeding him the rock like, you know, like like he's supposed to get 20 times a game, the rest of the season I don't see him staying here. Justin Simmons, there's they still haven't extended a, an offer that's good enough for Justin Simmons to stay. And there's a lot of people who don't think Justin Simmons is, is an elite player. And he may not be. I don't know. I think he's pretty good. I think you're going to have a hard time just replacing him. And I also think Kareem Jackson's at the end of his career. So you're not going to have Kareem and Justin for very much longer. And if – I'd love to have Simmons there for a long time. I grew up watching Dennis Smith and Braxton and, and Atwater and all those boys roam the, roam the secondary, and it's good to keep your people at home, especially guys you drafted. And Simmons is that guy. And then 72, you know, Bowles is – I mean, that pull on the, on the tackle counter that he ran the other day, wrapping all the way around and just annihilating the DB that was awesome. 
He's been playing his ass off. He's graded out the, at the the top left tackle in football. And I've been really hard on Garrett. Everybody has. And I think Garrett's been really hard on Garrett too. And that's why he, you've seen this turnaround. But at the same time, does Garrett want to stay in Denver after all the shit he's had to eat to get to the point where he's at? But I'll use Garrett as an example here. It took him four years to develop into the player he is right now. The problem with, I, I'm hearing a lot of people equate that to, to Drew and be like, well, Drew needs time to develop too. You can't take four years at the quarterback position to develop. Not in this league, especially in Denver. There's no, there's no, no people aren't patient enough, especially the front office. <clears throat> the left tackle is the left tackle. It's important, yeah, but it's not the quarterback. So I'm glad he's playing well, but he's, he's unfortunately, he's replaceable. The quarterback is also replaceable because he's not playing well, but if he was playing well, he would be unreplaceable. You wouldn't be able to just find somebody to stick in there for a game or two to help us move forward. So I think the Broncos need to try and re-sign these three and keep their homegrown talent at home. I just don't see it happening with 30 and 72. I think that I think Bowles is going to get a lot of money on the free agent market, and I don't think John will want to pay it. And I think Phil is going to get a pretty good deal somewhere else, and John won't pay it. He'll lowball him. And then I, I think that they will re-sign Simmons to a pretty good deal uh, and they keep him here. But at the same time, if they don't, why didn't they trade him this year? You know, why – we're not getting anything back for these guys again, i.e. Connor McGovern, Ben Garland, Ty Sombrello, Schofield. The list goes on and on and on. Isaiah McKenzie's balling out in Buffalo. Like, there's a lot of guys all over the NFL that used to wear orange and blue that are playing pretty well that couldn't play here, that were bums and couldn't play. And maybe they just weren't getting developed correctly, or maybe they hit their stride when they left here and found a different way of doing things. So, the Broncos have to look at themselves in the mirror in that regard and say, what are we not doing right? Because there's a long list of guys that have had great success other places that wore orange and blue and couldn't play here. And I hope Garrett stays, pay this man. He's playing his balls off. The turning point today is we're going to, we're going to obviously shine a light on that. And then, you know, with 30 and 31, it's, it's, that could be the future of the team. You know, it, I don't think Melvin Gordon's the future. He had another fumble on the goal line going in for his third touchdown. Again, that's great, but, bro, you fumble the ball constantly. That's that's the problem. Phil hasn't fumbled the ball ever, knock on wood. Uh, so I, I'd like to see them keep their homegrown talent and stop just being so enamored with all the shiny free agents out there. Uh, oh, look, he's he's he did this then. That's the past. We can't rely on Melvin Gordon when he was with the Chargers. He's hurting the Broncos now. So I guess it is what it is. <clears throat> the turning point will be up at some point uh, the rest of the week as well. So keep your eyes out there for uh, Broncos and Dolphins turning point. This is episode 92 of McChesney Unchained coming to you from dnvr.com. Uh, Make sure you check that out. And dnvr underscore sports on Twitter and Instagram. And then at 60 Academy on Twitter and Instagram for everything 60 related. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thanks to everybody on the production end and, and down there at DNVR doing their thing. Everybody stay safe out there.